Hello, everyone, and welcome to Grow With Us. My name is Evan Barton, and I'm your host who helps create conversations with the innovators and leaders of a growing tech center in Tulsa, Oklahoma. The Grow With Us podcast highlights the work of community leaders, tech entrepreneurs, nonprofit professionals, and talent development advocates in Tulsa. Grow With Us is a podcast of In Tulsa. In Tulsa's mission is to connect talented individuals and companies to stimulate economic growth in Tulsa and to create more prosperous communities across the region. Each episode, Grow With Us discusses the growth of opportunities, the growth of communities striving for change, or the tech and innovation that is changing the landscape of Tulsa. On this episode of Grow With Us, we are talking to Robbie Hedrick, the Director of Transition Services at the Coffee Bunker Tulsa. Robbie and I talk more about the Coffee Bunker Tulsa, the veteran experience more broadly, and how Tulsa and the Coffee Bunker aim to connect veterans to essential resources like professional guidance for education, employment, and entrepreneurship. Welcome to another episode of Grow With Us. I'm really, really excited to welcome to the show today, Dr. Robbie Hedrick. Thank you so much for being here today. I'm really excited for this conversation and all the things we're going to get to talk about um, serving the veteran population and the nonprofit community here in Tulsa. And Dr. Robbie, thank you so much for being here. Well, thank you for having me. It's really an honor on my part. I've seen your podcast for quite some time and just really enjoy what you guys do to highlight the, the community within Tulsa. It's a privilege for me to be here. Thank you. Awesome. Oh, we love fans. <laughs> that honestly, like that is such a high praise for someone that like does this and and sometimes feels like it's going into a void, <laughs> but to know that it's not. And th- this was an outreach that came um, through someone on my team as well that you had been impacted by the podcast or had listened to it in some way. And uh, that I just want to start with gratitude because that that means so much to me. Um, and and we don't just do this for nothing. We do this to highlight stories. We do this to talk about communities. Um, and I'm really excited to hear more about your community that you represent um, and, and what you're working towards. So yeah. let's hear a little bit more about like your story. Do you mind like introducing yourself to our audience and telling us uh, your story in whatever way you're comfortable? Sure. Um, so back up to a little bit. Uh, I, you know, I'm with the Coffee Bunker, which is a veteran service organization. So by default, I am a veteran. Um, I was in the Air Force for four years and then the Army for four years, made that transition, uh, both as enlisted and officer. In 2015, we decided it was time to get out. We were in Lawton, Port Sill, me and my wife and my kids. Uh, we had enough of playing soldier, and my wife told me it was time to do something different. And so being native Oklahomans, uh, we said wherever or whoever gets the first job, that's where we're going to stake our claim, and that's where we're going to move to. And that was in 2015. So in 2015, my wife gets a job up here. She's a social worker. So we moved to Tulsa. So being, like I said, a native of Oklahoma, uh, I'm from southern Oklahoma. So Tulsa is not even on my radar. Obviously, <laughs> I know where it is, but I'd been here two or three times uh, yeah. up to that. So we came here in 2015 uh, and have just loved it. And ever since then, trying to get more involved in our community and have a bigger impact and just really make a positive influence. Part of that journey was me joining Leadership Tulsa a couple of years ago. Awesome. And one of the things of completing that program is you get the opportunity to do a board internship. Mm-hmm. Through that board internship, uh, I was placed with a coffee bunker, which I didn't know was a saying at that time. Did my board internship, uh, love the mission, love what they do, helping veterans in transition. Um, and then two or three years later, I stayed in contact with them, Dr. Michael Horn and others there. Uh, and they helped me with advice and mentorship as we went along the way. 
Um, and then this past year, 2023, I had the opportunity to come back um, on staff. And so I'm back in full circle. Yeah. Um, and that's kind of how I got to Tulsa and how I got involved with uh, the coffee bunker. That's amazing. I, I didn't know there was a leadership Tulsa connection uh, there. That's really awesome. We're, we're big fans uh, yeah. over here on Grow With Us of <laughs> Leadership Tulsa. Um, and I'm, I'm pretty sure that program's called Get On Board, right? I, I think that's the name of the program, or maybe it's something else. So I did Leadership 360, which okay. was the program uh, that I went through. But okay. I know they have a host of other programs um, that they do as well. Gotcha, gotcha. Yeah, actually, Leadership Tulsa and uh, that connection over there, Marcia Bruno Todd, who's the executive yeah. director, um, was one of the people that introduced me to Jesse, and also Jesse... We're, we're talking about him because he's in the room. <laughs> um, but yeah, it, it was a big part of him getting into podcasting too. So th there's there's lots of LT connections for like why people that are in the community are doing what they're doing now. It's exactly. because of something like LT that is, uh, you know, kind of inspiring people and giving them the tools to do that. So that's amazing that that's a part of your story as well. Yeah. How, how are the kids and the, and the wife like in Tulsa? Oh, they love it. Um, <laughs> I always say, so when I went to school, I went to Empire, Oklahoma, which mm -hmm. no one's ever heard of, right? I graduated with about 32 people. So my kids, uh, when we got up here, they went to Broken Arrow, which is the largest high school in Oklahoma, I believe. Yeah. Uh, maybe still is. Uh, and so I would drop them off at the front door. And then that first week, uh, I kept getting notifications that they're late for class. <laughs> I was like, how is this possible? Like, I'm literally dropping you off. Mm -hmm. um, so you're either messing around or doing something, talking to your friends. And this is unacceptable, right? Well, after the first week, I called the counselor. I was like, hey, what, what am I doing wrong? What are we doing wrong? Well, it turned out, well, Broken Arrow is like a mini mini college campus, if you guys haven't been there or seen it. Yes. So I just dropped them off at the front door, but their class was all, <laughs> all the way at the other end of the, the campus. And then so I was like, oh, sorry, guys. That, that, that's <laughs> was, my fault. That was dad's fault. <laughs> yeah, my bad. Um, that's but just the vastly different, you know, going from where we're from to here, yeah. uh, but they're loving it. They love the opportunities and the people they've met, uh, awesome. just experiences they wouldn't have otherwise. So, yeah. uh, they're enjoying it. And my wife loves it up here so much so that my in-laws moved up here. Uh, I've, I've heard that story so many times. Too. Really, really? Yes. Someone's family also comes with them when they, when they, you know, I guess strike gold in Tulsa with the, just the community and things and things working for them. It's like, Let's bring other people yeah, here, too. So, uh, we're all here now enjoying it and uh, loving every moment. Awesome. That's so good to hear. Yeah, I, I, uh, I've I, shared a little bit with you, like, about my story and stuff. But, you know, I, I also kind of came from, I would say, smaller town, mm -hmm. humble beginnings in a way, if you will. But, like, Muskogee was, Muskogee, Oklahoma is a little bit uh, like a suburb of Tulsa. I, I think that Muskogee people would not like me saying that because it's <laughs> 45 minutes away. But it's like... Small Muskogee is a small town compared to Tulsa being a a big city with small town amenities. Like there is a definite like jump in size and scale and distance yeah. and all those things. And uh, I think your example is perfect at explaining that. You know, oh, I'm dropping I'm dropping my kid up at the front of the school. Why Why is it taking them twenty minutes to walk? Well, it's probably because the campus is you know two square miles or whatever, yeah. like distance wise. It's, and that campus is huge. It's yeah. really really so big. huge, so spread out. Um, but great school. We love it. Yeah, that's awesome. That's so good to hear. And, you know, and you said that earlier, a, a part of your Tulsa or your Tulsa experience specifically started in 2015. Sure. You know, we're almost, we're at nine years from yeah. that, which is crazy. What, what have you kind of seen 
uh, change in Tulsa over time? Like what has been anything that, that has been remarkable for you and, and kind of the way that the city has changed or um, or the way it's changed in, in your orbit? Yeah. So I would say, you know, 2015 is sounds like a long time, but in, in the grand scheme of cities and cultures changing, it really isn't. Yeah. What I have seen change uh, in in my small world and sphere of influence is the the willingness of the people of Tulsa to go out of their way to help others. Right? We had yeah. the the pandemic and different challenges that came with it, and the ability to resource and help those in need. Yeah. And I was able to really see the community pull together to do their best to serve those in need and help those. Yeah. And I'm sure. Tulsa did it in many, many other ways, but what directly affected me and what I was able to see was that aspect, yeah. uh, which again, just instills a sense of pride of the community that we have uh, in the people of Tulsa. Yeah, absolutely. I, I would echo that in so many ways. Just growing up here, I, I feel like there was this, there was a shift for me. I left when I left Tulsa, it was in 2016 and all the way up until 2020. And so kind of that noticing those differences, uh, it was like, it was like you came here and I left, yeah, and, then, and then we came back at the same time, uh, or I came back yeah. kind of when when there was that shift that you're talking about, and and that is absolutely something I noticed as well. I, I think I think mostly because I was interacting with the city or intending to interact with the city in a different way than I ever had. You know, eighteen year old college kid or whatever isn't necessarily well. Some of them are, but me as an 18 year old college kid wasn't necessarily like looking to get involved in the business community or the nonprofit community. And, you know, I still had some growing to do. And so once I was ready for that and once the opportunity to come back was kind of forced upon me through the pandemic, I think that that was the first thing I noticed, too, even even amidst, you know, something that's affecting all of us globally, something that no one really knew how to handle. I mean, we're still kind of we're in right now in 2024, still dealing with kind of the effects, the aftershocks of COVID, there's still things going on. Um, but I, I noticed the city change. And, and when we, I think when we say the city, we, it, it's, it's so broad, but I, I think that if I were to point to anything specifically, it's probably the nonprofit spaces that have, you know, increased their outreach or, you know, really kind of folded in so that they could think about and strategize how to branch out and, and reach people in a different way. Um, and I know that that's something that has affected affected you kind yeah. of through what you've said. Um, and also you said that there was a big part of this like nonprofit space that that you you saw kind of come alive or you, mm -hmm. you saw how it has affected the communities that you work in right now. And I'd love for you to kind of talk about that, too. You know, what has kind of surprised you about like the nonprofit network in Tulsa? Sure. And, uh, you know, Evan, one of the things I think, too, is, you know, crisis. Uh, reveals leadership and the quality of leadership yeah. and i think uh again it revealed the class of tulsa and i think too too often we we associate that with our formal leaders our elected officials and things like that and they did their job well too um, but really the informal leaders the guys behind the scenes that are really helping out and doing things that uh, don't get the credit and the recognition that would be in the papers and stuff yeah. like that really stepped up so uh, leadership at all levels i don't want it to seem like just the top people that we associate as leaders, but the guys that are running a podcast to highlight the the resources, the people that are helping and doing the work, the civic organizations, the yeah. churches and all that. So I do want to let them know that I appreciate them. Yeah. You know, one of the things that that I have really noticed, and I apologize, I'm going to get some water. Oh, you're good. Is the ability of 
different groups and organizations to collaborate with one another. Yeah. So again, you know, I'm in the nonprofit world serving veterans, but, uh, and there's other groups, uh, veteran service organizations and other nonprofits. You know, I was really pleasantly surprised at the ability to, um, complete one another rather than compete with one another. Yeah. And I say that because a lot of our organizations are, rely on scholarships or grants or donations uh, and the generosity of the people of Tulsa. But also we're willing to help each other. And so one of the examples that I know recently was uh, City of Osho, which is a nonprofit that helps people that are unable to afford medical equipment, get them wheelchairs, walkers, things like that. Uh, recently made another food donation um, to the coffee bunker, right? And then previously, uh, we've worked with other organizations, whether it be to resource kids with toys for Christmas or help other organizations um, and even partnering with Leadership Tulsa. Just that willingness to collaborate and work together has yeah. really surprised me and just impressed me to, to no end that uh, we also want to help each other, Yeah. right? So when there's something that, that I can't do or I can assist in any way. We're fully willing to help another organization or another group and it's vice versa. Yeah. So really been a fantastic uh, uh, experience with all the groups of Tulsa. Yeah. I think the spirit of reciprocity is, is, is a theme that we've, we've touched on in so many ways uh, in this podcast, but it, I, I think it, it's always welcome to hear because we're hearing about it when, as in respect to the veteran community, which is, you know, a perspective necessarily we haven't covered on this podcast before. And so to hear that come up in everything that, you know, this organization is willing to help you help this organization. If this organization can't do what this organization, you know, it, it's kind of that we all got you type of feeling. Mm -hmm. and, and I think that that's, that's something unique. That's something that Hopefully, um, we can continue to kind of keep the ball rolling on and keep that energy going because I think that is how we're making an affecting change here. The city feels different, um, and which is super, super exciting. And, I, and I'm so glad that you've noticed that um, because that that impact of organizations working together obviously increases the impact you have on those populations mm -hmm. you serve. Um, mm -hmm. and, and those populations that you serve are, are high need, high high touch and Honestly, once we get into it, I have lots of thoughts about. Yeah, I have lots of thoughts that I don't know if I shared with you the other day, and uh, I, I I'm really excited to kind of get into this conversation about what you do at the coffee bunker um, and and all of those things. I had the opportunity to <clears throat> through my own through my own scheduling conflict uh, meet you at the coffee bunker <laughs> on Wednesday. Um, I'm I'm kind of glad we shifted from Panera just so I got to see the place. Um, but we're we're talking about um, where Robbie works, and it's the Coffee Bunker on Forty First and Sheridan, um, which is so funny. You know, it, this is all it's through my through fair. I go I go through that area all the time, um, and have noticed you know what the Coffee Bunker like. I, I wonder what that is. But then having the opportunity to get connected with you and see it uh, for myself, the services you guys provide, really 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 amazing. Um, and I'd love for you to kind of tell us a little bit about um, wh what you do there and, yeah. and what the organization is all about. Sure. Um, but first, I'd like to ask, since it was your first visit, yes. uh, just at a unique time, we had the, the Puerto Rican coffee 
uh, you were able to try that. How was it? I'm oh. not a coffee drinker, right? I'm a Red Bull guy. We talked about this. Uh, but did you enjoy the Puerto Rican coffee? Oh, absolutely. You know, it had me jazzed and wired for the rest of the day. <laughs> that's that. That's exactly how I like it. Awesome, awesome. <laughs> um, yeah, so uh, again, I'm Director of Transition Services out there at the Coffee Bunker, which is a broad term, and I understand that. Um, but really... We want to make sure that every veteran's transition is successful, as well as their dependents and spouses, right? So we don't just limit our services to the veteran, but the the family, because we understand that it's a unit and they work together, right? Um, the spouse and the pens have a vote, too, on where they're going, where they're coming. And so we try to be a full-service wraparound thing. Uh, we offer many things, uh, and everything's free of charge to the veterans and their spouses, such as whether it be legal listening, um, financial counseling, financial advice, um, disability claims and processing, how do you get those increased or file that and get within the VA system. We work with OESC. Um, so we do so much with the veteran community as well as if you were to actually go there, Coffee Bunker, uh, as you saw, we mm -hmm. have a space for hanging out, uh, socializing, connecting with one another in a sense of community. We do education services for those people that need to use those benefits, as well as employment services um, and different things through that, such as resume writing, uh, alliances that we work with with corporations that have committed to be more than veteran friendly. Wow. Um, just so much, but we really want to be a one-stop shop where the veteran and their families can come and hang out, socialize, another community, as well as provide any resources we need. Uh, or they may need uh, at one location. Yeah. That's amazing. I just want to read. I I, got, I pulled up the what you guys have on your website as uh, what constitutes transition support. And I just going to read the sure. whole list because I think it's really amazing. Assignment to a peer support specialist, professional guidance for education, employment, and for starting a business, job skills training, resume and interview prep, networking access to employers, women veteran resources, social activities, VA claims assistance, like you mentioned, healthcare resources, family relationship resources, chaplain services, food pantry, and housing referral. I mean, and, and one of the, I'd love for you to kind of tell that story too that you mentioned to me the other day about like the final transition as well. Like there okay. is, what, what we're getting at is like transition is really kind of this blanket term of right. kind of like helping veterans and and their loved ones and their dependents you know kind of transition back into what life is like after that experience whether it was good whether it was bad whether it was you know all of those all the gamut of what it can be essentially uh you need that transition of what it's like back in civilian life i guess right. if, if for lack of a better term um but yeah i think that final that final transition is like really got me yeah that's right <laughs> Um, so again, like I said, uh, and you just read off a, a litany of things that we offer and we, we want to make sure that every stage of transition is successful for the veteran and their, their spouse and their dependents. Um, and that ranges a whole host of things like we, we mentioned, but one of the unique things, um, and we don't often publicize this or, or advertise this, but, uh, again, a unique thing with the veteran is when a veteran passes away, uh, the Veterans Affairs will give a flag to the family, okay? Um, one of the programs that we have is uh, we working with the social workers and people when we know a veteran is on hospice uh, nearing that final transition. Um, we've decided that that's too late for, for the flag, right? 
So we want uh, tears of joy instead of tears of sorrow. So we have a group that has generously donated some flags, and we have some uh, chaplains that are with us, and they don't necessarily um, preach or do anything, but just more their their expertise with compassion and caring. Um, and some of us, we go out and we, uh, you know, obviously we've we've coordinated with the family and friends, and we present them their flag while they're still alive, mm-hmm. uh, with family, friends, and everyone else around them. Uh, we've had a tremendous outpouring of it. Um, the families love it. Oftentimes, we'll see the veteran holding the flag close to their chest, and it's uh, it has a huge positive impact on them. And just since September this year, uh, you know that we've done three World War II veterans, wow. which is uh, you know they're they're slowly fading off. And uh, one of the gentlemen, John Woods, was 101 years old, still walking around. Uh, wow. Just an amazing story. Um, but I say that because I constantly hear the impact uh, from the families months afterwards, right? Yeah. Just the, what it meant to them and the help that they received. And I also say that because I told you earlier, we help with uh, spouses and dependents. So even widows, when they come in, they need help. How do I do our, our VA benefits now? What, what's yeah. the next step for us, right? Um, and so we continue those services on even, even after the fact. Yeah, I, th- I think that is so amazing. I, I want to just like highlight <clears throat> my like, I think it's an amazing, it's an amazing program. And and one thing like in particular that, uh, that connects me to, it was so funny when I was at the coffee bunker, like I think two or three people had asked me, oh, are you a veteran? And I was like, no, I'm not. Uh, I do serve, <laughs> which is the different thing. Um, but uh my, I do have family members and that have served, and sp- in particular, my step grandfather and my and my grandfather on my mom's side. And I remember both of their funerals. Um, they both have since passed away, but both of their funerals, like um, the way that the um, funeral procession was kind of set up, was like essentially around the flag. You know, mm-hmm. like the flag was something that was set up on a table to kind of like show and honor their service. Right. And in in knowing both of them personally that was not just that wasn't just like something they did at one point in their life their their service to our country was entirely and wholeheartedly meaningful to their life experience and um you know regardless of what my personal beliefs on like conflict globally <laughs> are um that is something that i like absolutely um feel you know i i would just say i feel the utmost respect for for veterans and and what that choice that they make um, to serve our country and to, um, yeah, all of, all of those things. And, and my own family members, I know that that's been something that's been huge in their life. And I want, I wonder what it would have been like to see like them hugging that flag in the, in some of their final moments, like what, what that could have been like, but I'm so glad to know that that's an opportunity that you guys provide to other f- families and folks. Yeah. And, and first of all, thank you on, uh, on behalf of all veterans, just for your, your acknowledgement and appreciation for what we do. Um, it means a lot to us. And then, yeah, you really see in those moments or in different times when a veteran transitions, even when he's looking for a job or he's worried about, I'm going to be a veteran student, what do I do? And you see in those moments of, I don't want to say stress, but really sincere emotion coming out, right? And, and you guys see it in, in the different nonprofits, see it in their different aspects. But really, uh, you get to see the person as, as an individual and really that human experience that they're going through at that time. And sometimes it's great. They come in and they say, hey, guys, thanks for helping me get this job. I'm ready to go. 
or I'm in school, ready to go get my degree and all that. And then sometimes, you know, they need help in as well. But but just to really appreciate and take the moment to to value that the experience that we've all had, the ups and downs that come with it, uh, really makes an impact for me. Yeah. And and just like one kind of other side story, I, th- I think something that really put into perspective for me, kind of like how universal the veteran experience is essentially across different uh, racial and uh, ethnic backgrounds. Uh, I've been to, at this point, you know, maybe 10 to 15 different powwows in mm-hmm. like the past couple of years. And every time they do grand entry at a powwow, there is a POW MIA, like prisoner of war missing in action flag. And the Eagle, the Eagle staff, like is always honoring veterans. There is, there is always pl- uh, like a space and a representative of those folks that those, the, <clears throat> those folks that are missing and missing in action or prisoners of war, but also for the veterans, there's an acknowledgement of the veterans that are here with us, you know, in the room or uh, in our family members. I think like, I think what's so interesting is that, um, that, that is a space where that acknowledgement feels so, so powerful. And I'm wondering how do we, you know, w- without over, overdoing it or, you know, putting, inserting it into every space. But like, I feel like the, that respect for veterans only comes in those like moments, you know, if we're going to, we could really talk, we're going to get to a question that I, I'm really curious about, about your perspective on, but, you know, I think a dominant narrative or something that I see in media and things like that is, you know, a lot of houseless folks are veterans, mm-hmm. which I know we're opening up a can of worms here, but like for the most part, even the, those two words together, like a veteran and, and houseless, they should never go together. <laughs> it, it makes no sense to me. Fundamentally, the service to our country is only valued when it's being served. And, exactly. and then after nothing, there's no or not nothing. There's this system that's supposed to help you. And I know I'm getting I'm, I know I'm getting kind of a little <laughs> bit of a, a pedestal or a soapbox here, but um it is just something that like always hurts hurts my heart to see and to hear and to not know what to do about it mm-hmm. um you know we're not going to solve every crisis right. at, you know every week or whatever but i do want to just open up that conversation a sure. little bit because I, I, it's so so important to me and of course i'd, I'd love to hear what you have to yeah <laughs> and so it's interesting that you bring that up because i want to say a couple months ago i saw a cartoon and i want to say is from Okay. On this part, don't quote me, but I want to say the New York <laughs> Times. And it really highlighted that disparity that you mentioned. Uh, it had a caption of on the battlefield, and everyone's like, oh, the, the soldier, sailor, marine, airman, space force, um, you know, very patriotic, more supporting them. And then the picture and caption next to it was the homeless veteran on the street. Yeah. So, which is such a disparity because many of our veterans come in and they're integrated into our community. They're contributing successfully. Um, and they've just really uh, embraced it. Um, but because, you know, it's often you highlight the two differences, you forget the crowd in the middle. So yeah, absolutely. Um, I just want to, I say that to make a, an illustration that a lot of people do successfully integrate and do that. But we do see that disparity Yeah, uh, to, to combat that. One of the things we do is we have SSVF, which comes into the coffee bunker. And they help uh, veterans, uh, homeless veterans, get housing and get established. And then we work them as well as getting employment to try to, to improve their situation. Yeah. Now, I will say 
And this will probably get me a lot of plaque. <laughs> oh, yes. We, we love it. Start the conversation. <laughs> Comfortably, of course. Everyone is where they are today because of their own decisions and actions that they made. Unfortunately, actions have consequences. And then we do have to acknowledge that and take responsibility for that. Yeah. That being said, some of the some homeless veterans are in there because of the decisions and actions they made. And I don't want to make that sound like that is okay and excusable for whatever they did. Yeah. Uh, poor decision making. But that doesn't mean we're not here to help them get yeah. started and get back on track and make yeah. the right decisions. Yeah. And part of that is, like we said, we have the group that helps um, the homeless veterans get back. We help with employment and things like that. But one of the things that you mentioned earlier, I think is key, is that connection in that community. Yeah. So in addition to that, I told you in the bunker, which you saw the other day, we have that that area where people yeah. hang out. We have that peer support table. We want people, uh, regardless of socioeconomic status, race, color, service, uh, uh, rank, to feel welcome. Yeah. And in that, we have the peer connection table, which is a group of veterans, uh, males, females, different services, all that, that are going to welcome the veterans and purely make sure that they they feel embraced and Loved is not the right term, but welcomed. Yeah. And they're not going to ask them about their situation unless they bring it up and do that. So to your point of what do we do with the homeless veterans, there are many programs out there that we try to connect them with to do it. Yeah. We try to help them on the employment side. We also have OESC, the Disabled Veteran Outreach Program that comes in. And we then, again, provide a community and a place to connect uh, as well as compassion for them. So yeah. we try to address it from multiple levels. Um. Do would we do we think we're making an impact? Yes. Is it as big of an impact as we would like to make? No. But I do appreciate you acknowledging that and, and the concern for that. Um, and we are doing our best. And I think there's uh, many organizations that are rallying around that aspect and trying to help these guys as well. Yeah, absolutely. And and I think I just want to be clear too. Like my my uh, observation or anything is is not at all a um, uh, what's the word I'm looking for. It's not to point out what you guys are and aren't doing. It's really just like a societal thing. You no, know what I mean? It, it, it's a very real observation. Yeah. And you're not the, you know, I hear that quite a bit. Um, and again, it's just that because disparities highlight and they easy to remember, right? Yeah. Make great photos and things like that. Um, and so, and then we also see the, you know, a guy on the street. I was a veteran, right? Yeah. Um, and, and if you ever do that, I always say refer them to the coffee bunker. Um, if you ask most police, all public transit's free to veterans right now, so they can get to us and we can help them as well. That's awesome. So, uh, which is just a recent deal. So, thank you to yeah. the city of Tulsa for for allowing veterans to ride public transit for free, um, and then we we can assist them and do that. But yeah, but again, that's what most people see. You don't see often the guy that's going to work every day, right? Because they're just doing their daily lives and things. So it's just an an easy highlight. But again, thank you for uh, being real and honest about it because is a very common uh, observation. Yeah, and it's an observation that you know I've been, had the opportunity to travel and you don't just see the houseless veterans in Tulsa, Oklahoma. You see them in California and LA, you see them in mm-hmm. Alaska, you can see them in any urban city that right. that experience <clears throat> that experience is unfortunately universal. And right. so that means it's a, a systemic issue mm-hmm. and your organization is an organization that is directly impacting that systemic issue. But how do we change the system? 
So th- that's essentially where, where I'm getting at with even some of my more pointed opinions. Yeah. <laughs> no, and, and I and I agree with you. Um, but we also have to realize what we can control in our own sphere of influence. And through that, absolutely, part of our, our deal is not just resourcing the veteran at any level or any stage of transition, but also educating them in awareness, right? Yeah. It doesn't uh, do me any good to resource you and facilitate for you but then you can't do it on your own, whether that yeah. be resume writing, uh, getting a job, interview skills, whatever the case may be. Um, and that's where we try to do our best too, is to set you up for uh, future endeavors that you have that skill set uh, as well. Yeah. Um, so that's part of the, part of the problem. What we can control in our little area is resourcing and education um, and training uh, again at all levels of transition. Yeah, absolutely. I think let's in kind of, moving on from this conversation, but kind of attached to it, I, I think I, I'd love to ask you this question, yeah. um, kind of about just more broadly, you know, what think, speaking of like spheres of influence, you know, what's, what is an opportunity for improvement that would better serve the broader veteran population in Tulsa? What, what is something that we as a community of nonprofits or, you know, private citizens, or what can something as big as the city do to address kind of Okay. Not maybe sweeping or what's just one way you kind of could see an op- an opportunity for improvement. Okay. Uh, so one of the things uh, that I see an opportunity for improvement is, okay, we go back to the Leadership Tulsa Connection. Um, we are hosting a Leadership Tulsa Coffee Bunker collaboration on January 26th that's open to veterans and their spouses, which is going to do some professional development, education, uh, vision casting, leading teams, networking, and different skill sets. So we're super excited about that. And Leadership Tulsa has been fantastic working with us. And we're so pleased for that. So I would say for the for the city and just in general, uh, just again, be aware of our programs, like our social media, um, our LinkedIn pages. And just, you may not be a veteran yourself, but you may know of a veteran that would benefit from that program or someone that would could use that to further their skills or their their area. Um, always donations and support are fantastic volunteers, right? But the, I know that there's so many nonprofits out there. So yeah. give your time anywhere. It's appreciated, whether it's at the Coffee Bunker or any other organization. Um, it's valued and appreciated. But yeah, so things like that, uh, like we're highlighting that. And I just say that because, again, you never know who may need that or who would benefit from that. Um, so that's our current initiative going into 2024. Um, so yeah, just spreading the word uh, and staying in touch with us as well. And I think too, we want to uh, add value back to everyone, right? We don't want to be uh, purely receiving. We want to give back to our community as well. And so for any of the listeners or people that watch this, if you see a way that we could help you or add value to community or talk to a particular group, let us know yeah. uh, because you are our community at large as well, and we're here to serve. Yeah, I appreciate that so much. Thank you. And I, I think uh, a perspective I'll, I'll throw in there. Uh, <laughs> and and I don't, I don't love to, you know, directly address a specific audience or even directly address like a generation. But you know, I'm, I'm kind of in this like Gen Z millennial like weird uh, middle ground where maybe I can address both of them. Um, but, but something that. You know, I, I feel like I want to challenge folks in my generation and, you know, just just the younger generation of folks to do is the the veteran population or I guess just even more broadly, 
we are so privileged as Americans to not have conscription military service. It is a choice for anyone to make that decision. And it's a choice many people don't make. Um, And so in your acknowledgement of like the privilege of the choice to, uh, you know, whether or not you serve in our, in our military, yes, acknowledge that, 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 that is your experience and, you know, you don't have to do it, but how can you at the same time be a support system or create some type of, um, outreach or do something for that community? Um, that, that would be my challenge to, to anyone that is on the other side of, you know, that decision. You know, I did, I, I personally haven't decided, um, and probably won't in my life since it, it, as long as it stays a choice, um, to, to serve my country in that way. But that doesn't mean I don't care about veterans. That doesn't mean I don't care about, um, the people that give their lives for this country and, and for the people that, um, that go and serve and come back and have a great experience, you know, and of course we celebrate them. That doesn't mean I don't care about the people that come and that have a terrible experience and end up with the need for services like Mm -hmm. that you provide um, as, as transitions and things like that, finding a way to do something to acknowledge Mm -hmm. that the privilege of that choice. um, It would be my challenge to, I guess it really is to anyone listening because it's not just something for my generation, but I do feel like my, my generation has been really removed from, I mean, God willing, like large, large scale conflicts like world war two or like, you know, those, those things where there was, it was pretty much everybody for a certain amount of time. And now it's kind of just been uh, over the past couple of decades, just like a select few, a select few, a select few. Um, I don't know. That, that's that's my that's my honest thoughts. <laughs> yeah, I, and I, I like where you're going with it, and I appreciate the sentiment. I would expand it to say, um, you know, I'm biased towards the veteran community, <laughs> um, but serve in some way, some capacity, whether it's uh, a volunteer hour here or there, or even if it's, uh, and I'm not saying just to me, to to any organization, to anyone in the city, if you find a way to to serve and think, but whether it's even writing a thank you card to someone yeah. that. That you know the Boy Scouts that that do the you know the mile road and pick it up. Um, so serving in any capacity, in too often we think it's like oh, I'm going to give eight hours on a Saturday and I'm going to be in this case cold and miserable and rainy, right? <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Um, but it doesn't have to be that scale. So yeah. just uh, serve your your fellow people, your fellow Tulsans, your community. Uh, in any way you can. Yeah. But like I said, I'm always biased to the veteran community. So if you want to help us anyway, we'd love to have that. Um, but even little gestures, just saying thank you to to the people that are are doing things makes a, a big difference. Yeah. And, I, and I, I'll just go back to one point um, that you made kind of about that that peer connection or uh, the, the, the table where yeah, you, know, you the can connection sit, table. the connection table. Um, something that you mentioned to me uh, the other day when we met was that, you know, the conversation is not, you know, how was your service? Yeah. What, what was that like? And, and you know, even, even that uh, narrative shift is like something that's important because you're acknowledging that, you know, not everyone's experience is universally good right. or universally bad necessarily. But, um, you know, I, I think that we as a, uh, an American population have kind of come around to mental health being something we should take care of and, and something we should be keeping in check. And um, if we're talking about things that have afflicted um a population for a, you know decades generations whatever it, military and war trauma is is huge ptsd is not something that just 
happens for no reason, mm -hmm. basically. People, people without conflict experience have PTSD from things like that. And so mm -hmm. the language shift is huge. And so I think approaching those conversations with folks with empathy um, and, you know, maybe keeping some of your curiosity in check too uh, would be a, another uh, bit of advice that I might give because as, as curious as you might be about, you know, what was Fallujah like in 2001 or whatever, it's like, that might not be a positive experience for someone. And how, how can you, you know, I guess, support someone through whatever they're currently going through instead of, you know, almost like forcing them to live in the past or live into this some like glory days or whatever. I don't, I don't, that's, I don't know if that's a perspective that you right. <laughs> share. But, um, uh, so I would say, you know, I always got to caveat this. I, you know, I'm not a counselor. I can't do anything. But from my experience and what we've found is one, be there, right? As you converse and talk to people, you'll see how their willingness to open up and, and do different things, right? Just uh, we've all had enough conversations in our life. You'll, you'll be receptive to that. Um, the one thing I would say is if they do decide to open up to you, there's a reason for that. Yeah. Just be patient. Listen. That doesn't mean you have to give all the answers or you have to solve the world's problems at that point. Yeah. But really just be an ear and empathetic to the situation. Yeah. Um, and I think it'll take care of itself. But, yeah, do those conversations. You got Everyone will kind of gauge the, the level and things like that. Um, and as you mentioned, PTSD, trauma, depression. Uh, right now, men's mental health is, is huge. With that, huge. Darius Rucker, he's got his advertisement out, which has oh. been neglected for a long time. Yeah. Um, so it's not just again the veteran world; it's it's a people thing, the human experience thing. I know I've said that a couple of times, but I just I think it's undervalued a lot of times. Yeah. So just be there and know that people have challenges and difficulties and celebrations, um, and just be ready for when they open up to them to yeah. you about that. And either encourage them or support them in whatever way you can. Absolutely. Robbie, let's wrap up this conversation. Um, I'd love for you to kind of just share with our audience, you know, what are some ways that they can get involved with your organization, whether it's volunteer or supporting uh, financially? What are some ways that people can get involved? So the easiest way is go to www.coffeebunker.org. Um, in there, there will be a form and you can either donate if you want to, or you can request um, to volunteer for different things that we have. Um, and in what capacity what would you like to do? Um, if you're able to, again, like I said, always go to our, our Facebook page. We have two LinkedIn pages. And perhaps if I give that to you, you could put it in, in, put the, it in the show notes. notes. Absolutely. Um, and again, just a, the click of a button, right, to, to like us and then follow us. And then even if you're not a veteran, again, if you see something, oh, hey, I may know a guy that could benefit, just share and pass it along. That's the most passive and easiest way you can support us. And we love that. Um, in any other way, if you go to, again, www.coffeebunker.org, uh, there's other opportunities. Awesome. Robbie, thank you so much for being on this episode of Grow With Us. Um, I really, really appreciate your your candor, your conversation, um, and, and everything that you guys do at the Coffee Bunker. And uh, we're so excited to support it and highlight it. Thank you. And thank you for all you guys do. You really make an impact in Tulsa. Absolutely. Thank you. Thank you for listening to this episode of Grow With Us. Grow With Us is supported by Intulsa Initiatives. If you're interested in learning more about Intulsa services for job placement and workforce development, please visit talent.intulsa.com. From there, you can join our talent network where you'll get access to our newsletter and our talent team will make sure we put the right opportunities on your radar. 
We put the choice to pursue a new career and opportunities in your hands. Be sure to subscribe on Apple Podcasts and Spotify to be notified when more episodes of Grow With Us are released. Let us know what you think about how we're doing by rating and reviewing. It really helps. Grow With Us is edited and engineered by Rant9 Productions and Jesse Ulrich. This has been Grow With Us.